Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's football season, and that, of course, means betting on football, college, and pro. Which brings us to a sponsor of the show, MyBookie.com. MyBookie is your play to bet and win, and with many deposit and withdrawal options, you win, they pay. MyBookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They have the most rewarding player perks in the business. And get this, you can even bet on over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. MyBookie also has handicapping contests like the $150,000 MyBookie Super Contest, the $50,000 2019 Survivor Contest, their $75,000 March Madness Contest, and more. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, MyBookie, and use the promo code T-Yards. That is T-Yards to receive a match bonus of up to $1,000 on your first deposit. The promo code, once again, is T, the letter T, Yards. Bet with my bookie, win, and get paid. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. Welcome to Three Yards to Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. I have Simon Clancy here with me. I have Chris Kaufman here with me. Okay. 43 to nothing. These things are, yeah, they're getting old, but, you know, we're headed in one direction and we know what that direction is in the toilet, but toward that first overall pick to get, you know, who. Toilet. Yes. I see now what you I did there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you got that? I yes. got it. That's, uh, that's the next T-shirt. <laughs> could we get Could we get any Tonga via lower than we already are? Ah, booyah! Well, I didn't see a single snap of this game. I'll tell you where I was. I was in Robbie's on Isla Morada, and I was ordering a Corona. And I told Chris this off the air. I was ordering a Corona, and I glance up at the screen. And sure enough, there is Josh Rosen writhing in pain on the floor. And I look at the score, and I'm like, ugh, yeah, this is not something I want to see. So I went back to feeding the tarpon on the docks. And that's where I was for this game. I didn't see any of it. Do I need to see any of it? You know, what did I miss, Simon? I mean, you, you didn't miss a damn thing. I mean, I'll tell you what you did miss. You missed like a load of people in clown shoes running around, stepping on each other's toes, shooting themselves in the foot, then in the face, and then throwing pick sixes. Apart from that, you missed absolutely sweet fuck all. Seriously, stay, oh. stay feeding tarpins, whatever oh, they are. the pick sixes, man. The pick sixes were beautiful. They were. Said, um, in our, that's, in second, was that second was, oh, you know what? You know what Alf did miss? Yeah. You know what I'm going to say, Simon. I do. I do. Uh, is your 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 boy your favorite man in the whole world, Alf? Yeah, had the most put on a clown disgusting nose. I game I've ever seen a running back have. 
I mean, what he, was worse, the dark or the pick He should six be inactive. He should be inactive next week just for that alone. Like, he, he literally, like, a pass came by, an outlet pass came by, and he ducked. Ducked. So that it wouldn't. <laughs> and it was, the stadium was so empty because there were no fans there. You could actually hear quack, quack, quack. <laughs> Now, yeah, another one, and then the, the the other pick six was just you know he went right into his hands and he just tapped it up and somebody else is like all right fine I'll take the, it. Now let me was ask a great... you something, and and I'll ask both of you this question. Like we understand what's going on here, okay? Like you know this is a tank fest. This is a really bad. This is a historically bad football team, and it's really built that way. If you just look at the offensive line, it's designed for. Not even good skill players that we all think, you know, I'm pretty sure that all three of us on the podcast think that Kenyon Drake is a good NFL player. We all think that mm. Jakeem Grant is okay. Uh, Simon's iffy, I think. Mm. Yeah. Well, I like Kellen Balazs. You know that. I like Preston Williams yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, we know that. We know that, Alf. <laughs> okay. I think all three of us are pretty excited about what Albert Wilson did for us last year, and we kind of are intrigued to see what he can do. So I'm already getting into like five or six guys that, these guys are these guys are NFL talents, but what I don't think ha- about I don't think hardly any of them will be there next season. Yeah, now, I don't do think we, so. I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing about a tank when you fa- think, when you fast forward to the year that we're yeah. you know going to actually be competing. Like forty of the fifty three guys that were on this tank fest mm-hmm. in twenty nineteen won't be there. But what is it about like thirteen? But what guys. is it about a tank fest that? it's basically it's contagious isn't it like good players become bad players it is all of a it absolutely is it's, it's yeah. contagious i think bad football is definitely contagious these guys get um because what what ends up happening is they i mean you can talk to a player and I, i'm sure the player will have a better perspective on it but what ends up seems to end up happening is they start pressing and they start pressing and trying to make everything count and they they're just out of their routine they're not they're not in the right frame of mind and um and I, you, you know, build a cult, you're building a culture that. of losing, aren't you? You're building a culture yes. of losing, yes. and it's very hard to get out of. And, and that's where, you that's know, sort of, that's sort of like when people talk about the tanking and the the stuff like that. You know, is it is it the right thing to do? Is it um, is it necessary? All that stuff. You know, it, it seems to me that a lot of people have this assumption that you can either win now or you can win later, but you can't do both. Mm-hmm. And um and and so like it becomes necessary to like be really bad so that you can be really good somewhere down the road and. I'm not sure about that because I do think winning begets winning. And I do think mm. losing begets losing. And so you, you do have to be careful. I know that turnarounds happen very fast and we've all yeah. we've seen it. But the thing is, we've gone from a culture of mediocrity, a culture mm-hmm. of mediocrity over the last 20 years to a culture of flat out terrifyingly bad losing. Yeah. With, it's, the, it's, with, the, yeah. with the gamble being, the gamble being that we're going to a culture of, of winning. You know, I said on social media last night that, you know, and I tweeted when it was so we had this very funny moment on our I don't think you probably saw it Alf on our WhatsApp group last night where um, I tweeted lol with lots of O's after the first pick six and then wrote and Chris wrote, Chris wrote what question mark and I put the pick six and then the second one happened and Chris just went which one which is like <laughs> you know, one of those moments where you know you look up and it's like oh there's another one and it's uh you know that was it was very funny but you kind of i i tweeted at that point you know something like two down 14 left with a with a gif of, of tour 
mm-hmm. and some people were like yeah this is brilliant and lots of people liked it and then but then there were also people that were like going oh i can't believe you're you call yourself a proper fan and i listen i totally get that i totally understand that people don't understand like my my partner is like i don't understand how you can become given how competitive i am in every other season when the dolphins lose and i get really pissed off and it you know it ruins the weekend and that sort of thing whereas now i'm actively hoping they lose but i totally get that there are people out there who think that's a terrible thing to do but like i said last it's, night, it's not very sporting no it's not right and it's, it's not, not very sporting. let me tell you and let me tell you what i got but, a lot of in in the keys okay i wore my my miami to a 2020 shirt that you can get on five reasons sports.com i still haven't been sent one yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> like somebody has to send you one already. Send you one already. Yeah, you Although have to I did send one. you a mug, and you just left you did. it. I forgot in it was the post office for for months, That's and it right. eventually got sent back. That's to very me. true. That's very true. <laughs> okay, but one thing I did get a lot of in the keys, and yes, there are a ton of Dolphin fans out in the keys, and understandably so. They're the closest team here. Although you would think that after all these years of mediocrity, they would lose some of their their fan share, but I guess it's still there. And what I got a lot of is, yeah, okay, that's great. I like your shirt. Yeah, and a couple of people asked me where, how they can get it. And, yeah, that's a clever shirt. And, yeah, we kind of like the quarterback, but you are ruining my Sundays. And that's what yeah, they look at. They look like they got their Sundays I, taken away until February. You know what I, I mean? get that. I get that. But, listen, we've been in three playoff games since 2001, all three wild card games, three playoff games. One of those was the James McKnight helmet catch game mm-hmm. one of them mm-hmm. matt moore started against pittsburgh and then got blown up just before the half i can't remember and the other one was the when we won the afc and then lost got bumped out in the, in the first round yeah. our, last game, playoff, our last playoff win simon was when bill clinton was president was when bill clinton was president yeah he was still how many play- he wasn't out of office yet how many playoff games has the patriots won in the same time that we've won three it could be 40. It's it is 40. It's exactly 40. Really? It's 40, it's 40 playoff games. They've been in 13 AFC championships, nine Super Bowls, and won six. They've been in double the amount of, they've been in treble the amount of Super Bowls that we've been in playoff games. So I totally get that you don't like the fact that some of us want to lose actively. But I also hope that people respect that, you know, I'm happy that if you're happy to fluctuate between five and 11 and nine and seven, ad infinitum as we have done pretty much over the past 20 years that's cool that's fine i respect your your wish to do that but i'm not happy to do that not anymore mm. and you know we've banged on for months weeks, years really ever since we first saw Tua, ever since i first went to see trevor lawrence i can remember in the whatsapp group talking about trevor lawrence for the first time and right. you guys asking about high who school. he was when he was still in high, high school, school. I went to, yeah. i went to visit him in high school and we talk about transcendent quarterbacks and, you know, you get loads of people on Twitter going, he's terrible, Tua's terrible, he's too small. Did you see what he did against Clemson? He's too injured. Blah, blah, blah. But, you know, that, and that's fine. That's, that's literally people who only watched the game against Clemson last year where he was injured and didn't play very well, admittedly. But we get a shot at one of these two kids. We get a shot at a Peyton Manning-like player. We get a shot at a John Elway-like player. We get a shot at an Andrew Luck-type player. I'm happy to suck it for one season or two seasons, which it probably will be, but at least with the hope, knowing that there's a kid there that we can actually get behind, then what is, just roll on 
back and forth between five and five and eleven and nine and seven. But I'm also respectful of the people that think that that is a terrible idea too. And that's kind of where Miami fans are at the moment. They're kind of split between you're terrible and this is a great idea, and there's no middle ground. Mm. Well, first, I 100% agree with you uh, on the fact that you know you have to understand. Listen, sport is about competing, right? That's mm. <laughs> that's the nature of it. Yeah. And so you can't be mad at people that are like, "Yeah, I want you to win." That's why I'm a fan of your team. I want you to compete. I want you to win. That's the point of the goddamn activity. Um, so yeah, and I totally, I totally get that. But I don't think those people need to be like telling off other fans that are supporting the tank. Because, quite frankly, Miami opened that door, right? And you can't blame the fans for walking through it. Um, so so I, I say to them all the time, I was like, listen, you can't – you shouldn't get on the fans because they, they do. They're, you know, how can you be a real fan? How can you – you know, you're tanking, blah, blah, blah. And, and they shouldn't be doing that. But on the other hand, lately I've seen a lot of the people that are supporting the tanking being the real annoying guys out there, you know, calling everybody else stupid, you know, for, for wanting a competitive team and wanting the team to actually, you know, compete for something, wanting wins to try and be, get more wins and stuff like that and winning processes be reinforced and become, hopefully become institutions. And then you have a winning franchise. Um, I, you know, they, they all need to lay off each other. <laughs> they all, that, yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, but I, I do have a question though, Simon, uh, Mm. since you know because you're you're for it you're tired of the mediocrity you're tired of the mm. well it's been less than media over let's be honest mm. um you're tired of that is the tank basically akin to cheating in a way like like not not actual against the, you know but like in spirit because what you're doing is you're, you're going against the nature of sport right yep in order to manipulate a, you know, whatever this rule is about the draft order, because there is no lottery in the in the NFL. Is it a little bit, from a GM standpoint, if you need to tank in order to get your man, can you call yourself a real GM? Um, it's very interesting. And look, I, I, I bet 1% of the listeners are into professional cycling. Bear with me for a moment. There okay. is a very, there's a very successful about 15 years ago the british cycling team decided to invest very heavily using uh, money on a national lottery so we didn't used to have a national lottery now we have a national lottery people pay a pound a dollar for a lottery ticket and the winner ends up winning 15 million each week but a lot of the money that's put forwards goes to what was known as good causes so lots of charities that were helped out by all this money lots of other things but also lots of money was plowed into an olympic program which turned the gb olympic team from winning one medal i think in atlanta in 1996 to winning 67 in london in uh, london 2012 and then something like 69 in rio so a lot of that money was plowed through in investment from the olympics one of the one of the sports that they identified was cycling um, uh, there's quite a good cycling I mean Europe has a huge cycling culture national sport of Belgium national sport of Italy Tour de France obviously is, is absolutely massive in Europe um, and they hired a guy called Sir Dave, Dave Brailsford who then became very successful uh, um, was Sir Dave Brailsford and ran a team called Team Sky which has now become Team Ineos if you're still awake I, I thank you for still being here anyway <laughs> what, what, what Brailsford did and although it was essentially he bent the rules he worked to within the margins and some people have said that he worked over the margins there have been a few questionable decisions which i won't go into here but essentially he coined the phrase marginal gains so pushing 
everything to the absolute limits of what you can get away with. Because if the rules say that you're not breaking the rules, then I'm going to go right up to the rules and occasionally I'm going to dip my toe into the water of the other side to see how far I can push it. Because Who does that, that sound like? We're in that grey area. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're in that grey area. And I kind of feel like that's what the dolphins are doing. The rules are there. It's within the it's within the rules of the game, but it may not be within the spirit of the game. Another thing that happens in cycling is if uh, the leader of a major race uh, has a puncture or his chain comes off or anything happens, the uh, and therefore he's forced to stop and the rest of the race goes on. The race is essentially unofficially neutralized by the riders. They will not attack the leader of the race until he is back in the race because they feel like it's unfair. It's not a rule. Nobody says that they should do it. But sometimes, just occasionally, riders do attack. And what tends to happen is other riders from other teams will hunt this guy down and they'll call him names under the sun and then they'll wait for the... And there's a big sort of stewards inquiry amongst the riders as to, you're outrageous, you shouldn't do that. It's a kind of unwritten rule Mm -hmm. of the sport. And it feels to me like the Dolphins are very much, like I said, tampering around with the unwritten rule yeah it's you do what you can to win the games yeah it's like rabbit in horse racing you know about this yeah of course and this happens here in the united states all the time in in racing and people would say wait a minute that sounds like really illegal it's really not yeah you have a speed horse and you have one owner that has two horses one horse needs a fast pace to be able to run into so why not run the other one if he qualifies and they do qualify and then they just send them out there to just set incredible fractions, and that helps your closer that needs those fractions to run into when. Exactly. What, what Greg Williams does with uh, around the boundaries of the game. Look, I know he was suspended for a year for Bounty Gate, but you heard Odell Beckham last week talk about, you know, he wants to knock guys out of the game, whether it's illegally or not. He went, Look at Bud Dupree yesterday. Bud Dupree took a terrible headshot Russell Wilson, which, you know, I'm surprised Wilson wasn't concussed. It wasn't even flagged. Dupree wasn't ejected from the game. You look at the Bradley Chubb uh, late hit in, in big inverted commas, which essentially set the Bears up to that winning field goal at the end of the game that was called. The Dupree foul, They he got away with it. He could have not Russell. I'm not saying he was intentionally targeting uh, Russell Wilson. But it was two steps after Wilson throwing the ball, and it was a helmet-to-helmet headshot that knocked Wilson pretty much from his feet, and he landed on his head. Um, it wasn't flagged. Therefore, even though it's not in the spirit of the game and not really in the rules of the game, he got away with it. The Dolphins aren't doing anything illegal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's yet to be proved whether or not they're getting away with it, because we'll only know the answer well, to that in 2022, 2023. If they're able to construct this team with all these draft picks, all this free agent capital, and potentially one of these quarterbacks, that's the only way that we'll be able to tell. It's a great question. I, hmm. I, I don't think I don't think they are because the, the the league is set up that way. I mean, look, if they tank so if the Dolphins tank so badly, they go zero and sixteen. They historically score less points. You know, they end up with like. 86 points against 930. <laughs> I, I, you could see us, but especially with a guy like Trevor Lawrence coming down the pipe. And then, you know, we, we talked today about these two freshman quarterbacks, the kid at, at UCF and, uh, and uh, Ryan Helinski at, at South Carolina, a couple of really good looking fr- true freshman quarterbacks. If they develop into Trevor Lawrence type characters, as you go forward, so you could see the NFL thinking, Mm. especially if the Dolphins mm. go on and win let's right. say the Dolphins go on and win a Super Bowl in two or three years time there could be a situation where Roger Goodell is like 
Mm. Going to have to well, call time on this sort of tanking thing, and we'll, we're going to go to a lottery. No, okay. I'm going to okay. okay. tell you. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen, Simon, because I think I think you're you're spot on right there. I think let's say it's it's completely successful, okay? And you and you kind of see something like what's happening right now in Arizona. We we spoke about this off the air. The Arizona Cardinals were absolute garbage last year. They draft Kyler Murray, and seemingly overnight, they're exciting and competent. That, that's the goal. Now, Arizona's not going to win seven games. They might win six. They might win five. They might even win four. But you can kind of see how down the road the Cardinals could be a playoff team and could threaten for titles. You could see it. Why? Because the quarterback is there, and he's dynamic. Like, that's the plan. Let's say but Miami I'm, is completely successful. But I wonder, though. Oh, go ahead. Let's say Miami is completely successful. They go 0-16. They draft Tua Tungavailoa. They use their picks wisely. Let's say they hit on 50% of the picks, and all of a sudden they go 6-10 and 10 next year, but you are excited as hell. Preston Williams has 1,200 yards receiving. Uh, somebody emerges to, to run the ball well, you know, to, to support Tua Tungavailoa. Tua Tungavailoa is rookie of the year. And now we are looking forward to 2021. The opinion makers in the NFL are all in New York and L.A. They're, you know, those are Giant fans. Those are Jet fans. Those are New England Patriot fans. Mm -hmm. They are going to all of a sudden start this drumbeat that will lead to a lottery. Because the following year, somebody's going to notice and say, wait a minute. Thing the is Browns went from 0-16 to Baker Mayfield to exciting to uh, media darling. The Cardinals went from trash to exciting and now contending. The Dolphins went from trash to Tuotanga-Vailoa to competent and maybe competing. Yes, we're going to institute a lottery. I think it's absolutely coming. Because it's not going to affect us, though, is it? <laughs> no, it's not going to affect us. But I, I think that the, the reason, the reason we that, that could yeah. – I think but the reason that they might do that is just because – you know, listen, I, I do think in spirit there have been other teams to try something like this or at least to, you know, game it a little bit. Um, I think Miami have gone like they've they put those guys, those other teams to shame. Uh, they've made gonna, them they've made something. them look like they were actually trying to win. Well, so I mean, always told me if you're ever going to do something, try to. Well, speak right. Good. But I mean, if there's there's sort of like if you're going to if you're going to go against the spirit of the game, um, then, you know, if you're skirting, if you're, if you're kind of like trying to hit in between things a little bit and trying to get away with it a little bit or, or just running right over the cliff, you know, full speed. Yeah. I think that that's, I think that that's sort of what some people are going to be arguing that Miami is doing right now. And that might actually spur the change. But what, here's what my question, because it's obvious, it's obviously easier to deconstruct a roster and make a shit roster than it is to make a great one, right? I mean, yeah. we we understand that, right? Easily. It's it's, yeah. it's easy. A, a five year old could do the could do could deconstruct or destroy a roster. Um, if your goal is to destroy a roster so that you can put yourself on a collision course with a quarterback, as opposed to you know doing the hard thing which is evaluating and finding and, – and listen, I understand that Tua Tungavailoa is a special talent and, and, and that's the thing. But what if Jordan Love also is? You know, and what if, you know, what if that guy is out there? You've got to find him. Other teams have found that guy. Miami is sort of abdicating their responsibility 
to find those players. And the other thing that makes me doubt it is we are talking about a, G, a general manager who takes a Christian Wilkins as opposed to a Jeffrey Simmons, who takes a uh, Minka Fitzpatrick as opposed to a Derwin James, you know, uh, who takes a Raekwon McMillan as opposed to um, the, uh, the the kid that's in, in Houston, uh, I'm forgetting his name, the, that came from Vanderbilt. Um, you know, we're talking about a GM that plays it safe, right? And And I always wondered if a GM that plays it safe will ever get you that elite quarterback uh, because to get that guy, you, you generally have to be kind of bold. And I'm wondering if they've just kind of found the cheap workaround for that. And yeah. if that's true, if that's true, and they've just put themselves on the collision course with the guy so that they can't miss it, although they might. And Simon, you and I need to talk about this in a little bit. Um, they might screw it up anyway. Um, <laughs> but so anyway, if that happens, if you need that cheap workaround and you don't have a guy that's really prone to taking the top man at his position at any given time, then what does it say about your ability to build a team around that quarterback, you know, in the future? Cause you got all these picks and yeah, you're going to use them, but are you going to use them on more, you know, Charles Harris's instead of, uh, instead of using on TJ Watt or, or you know, somebody, somebody well, let, better. Let, let, me um, say, let me say this. That's the that, question. Yeah. Something that's happened in the very recent history of this team is that the owner and there was a report that the owner, everybody heard it, and we actually did a podcast on it. The owner didn't want Minka Fitzpatrick. He wanted to trade down and take Lamar Jackson. Now, <laughs> depending on who you talk to, this is either the worst thing in the world or the greatest thing in the world because now this owner, Stephen Ross, is going to be walking through that building thinking, I hit it, didn't I? <laughs> I told mm-hmm. you, huh? I told you, right? And, and furthermore, Chris Greer actually stepped up and said, you know, he was the one that personally stepped up and said, no, and it's on me. You know, hold me accountable for this. And let me say the flip this. side of that is. And I, I'll, I'll let you go right now, Simon. Let me, let me just finish this thought. Dude, I dude. know people in that building that absolutely despised Lamar Jackson as a prospect. And trust me, Stephen Ross knows about that too. So he's watching. I'm pretty sure he's watching Raven games. And that first game had to have gone over like a lead balloon in that, in that building in Dave. Oh, yeah. Yeah, perfect which, passerating. Which yeah. percent, Ali, was good yesterday as well. I mean, that throw to, to seal the game at the end was an mm-hmm. absolute beauty. I mean, that was one of the best throws I've seen in the NFL this year. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the flip side of that is, and that's all good, which part of anything that's been on our coaching staff over the last two years would make you think that the Lamar Jackson that's playing so well for Baltimore would be the Lamar Jackson that's playing in Miami? I don't know. It's it's Marty Marty Mordenweg, no? That's who's over there. Yeah, but you know, it's. I mean, that's a good. That's a good. Isn't offense. It Greg that's Roman. A, that's a good. It's Greg Roman. It's a good coaching staff. You know, John Harbaugh's yeah. a great coach. Yeah, he always assembles a great coaching staff. That's, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. It's an open question. Is the, you know, that's the that's the thing. Is the the talent there to have no? Because look, go back over the. I mean, we did this in the WhatsApp group the other day. You go back and look at the. The the draw, who who have we actually developed as a player? Who have we really developed? Where can Xavier Howard? Yeah, yes. you can say that. That's fair. Jerome Baker looks like it, although he hasn't played very well for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Where else are we making develop? Where else are the developmental strides being made on right. this roster? Physically, I don't see anything. I don't see anything. I would say physically. I would say Kenyon Drake has made great strides physically. He's mm. he's a much more physical player here. But he's not a better he player. Started. But he's not a better player because he's not smarter. Who else? I mean, who, where else? 
Mm-hmm. That's like, a great question. I can't find it either. I mean, are we really saying that over the past four or five years, we've just managed to make one or two players better? Is that really what we're saying? Jakeem Grant might be another one. But then, oh you know, yeah, given where he, yeah. given what he was and what he, where he was drafted, you know, I'd but then, that. I think yeah. Albert Wilson was used better I mean, there, last year than he ever was in Kansas. There's a bunch of small wins, and we understand that there's a bunch of small wins. I mean, taking Jesse Davis from what he was yeah. to what he is now, I mean, that's a small win. But Tony Jakeem Street Grant is a agent, small yeah. win. Yeah. But what, what, what you mean is the Jim? What I mean is the Jim Devon Godshaw is a small win. The Devon Godshaw. Yeah. But you know, you're looking at all those players. Look at those guys. And we talked about it over the past four or five years. Fitzpatrick, um, Devontae Parker, Charles Harris, all the misses. You know, Raekwon barely played. Or you know, played more yesterday. But Raekwon, Jamar Taylor, all those guys that have just where's Jamar Taylor. Taylor? Yeah, I mean, where's the development on these guys over the last? There, there is none. Yeah, there no, is I, none. No, it's I, been, it's well, been, it's but uh, I mean, is it development or is it is it development or are they taking the wrong players? Because I mean, it's not like these players. There's not a lot of these players going off and being great somewhere else, are there? I can't think of any of them. No. Yeah. No, but there are some success stories. The trade for Kenny Stills. You got to say he's gone now, but you got to say that was it for a third round pick. They got 24 touchdowns out of him. Yeah, but they didn't make him better. Yeah. I don't think he, Kenny he was, was any better. He was better. the same player here with Ryan Tannehill that he was there with Drew Brees. And I think that's a victory. No? Mm. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's tough. It's a tough call because he was – You know, I, I don't think he got better as a player, and I think that he still had problems, and that's why he's not – He looks better in Houston hair. in two weeks than he did in the past season and a half in Miami. <laughs> no, he he was terrible last year here in Miami. Absolutely. I think maybe he's more motivated over there too, but maybe that's a, that's another big thing. Another thing is Albert Wilson. I think Albert Wilson was on his way to having one of the better seasons. You know, any but he was also good receiver. in KC. I mean that's what that's the yeah. reason he's here. He was he was yeah. a he was good just behind in people KC. in KC, but yeah, I think we I think that was a good pickup. Certainly didn't develop Devontae Parker. I mean mm-hmm. no. you know it's I I guess my question is, you know, do we have a general manager who plays it safe so much that he's going to take the Christian Wilkins with Jeffrey Simmons on the board or the, uh, the Minka Fitzpatrick with Derwin James on the board. Um, you know, those types of players, Raekwon McMillan, uh, and leave, uh, Cunningham. And that's a, that's the uh, Zach Cunningham is the linebacker. Zach Cunningham, yeah. And, um, and you know, of course, Charles Harris with TJ Watt on the board or to Harris McKinley. Um, is he just always going to leave the better player at the position kind of on the board because he's always steering towards safety. And does this whole episode with Minka point out the folly in that? Because here, here, this, we're, this was supposed to be of anybody that was supposed to be the locked in, Absolutely. you know, your hero of the roster character, a plus plus guy. And he's the one that has been complaining all this time about how he's been used loudly to the press and now is asking for a trade, and he's and by all by all appearances, according to what Armando Saguero of the uh, Miami Herald is reporting, he's going to get that trade. You know that it's going to happen. I, I went to Dick Sporting Goods in Fort Lauderdale a couple of weeks ago, and the one shirt that you could buy was a Minka Fitzpatrick shirt. So that kind of says it all, really, in terms of what mm. he was supposed to be. But I think the, the, this for me is the definitive statement on on the way we are. And it harks back to what I said half an hour ago about three playoff wins since 2001, which is that Chris Greer, the man that we are entrusting 
what, 23, is it 24 draft picks over the next two seasons, including four number it's quite a haul. and four number yeah. twos and the most free agents, free agent money, free agency space, cap space. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, yes. And there's next a story, season. by the way, says that they want to build toward 160 million. In the cap. man, the man that we are entrusting all that to, and the man whose record we've just discussed as being bad, when did he join the Miami Dolphins? 20 years ago. Yeah. He joined the Miami Dolphins in 2000. See where you're going with this one. <laughs> but isn't that part of the problem? Uh, that could so be, and that's going to be part, part of the future show. Now, let does me this you. remind you, let me, quick question, does this remind you of 2013, the, uh, the Jeff Ireland, I've got picks and money uh, mm. offseason, when you know already people were people were rightly questioning i think jeff ireland's record as a gm not not mm-hmm. necessarily as a scout but as a gm and as a headshot caller uh to that point and and everybody 100%. was like everybody were like well they amassed a bunch of picks and a bunch of cap space and money this next uh, off season let's see what he does with it and uh, just- and and some of us were like if you already don't trust your guy yeah. why the hell would you give him that you know, to, to screw up with. Can, yeah. I, can I just then say one other thing that is attuned to this, but not really. And it, it concerns um, our deputy GM, Marvin Allen, I suppose. He has to be the one man to get the job ready, doesn't he? And I say that in part, and I don't want to get into race and I don't want to get into that sort of thing. But given the Stephen Ross kerfuffle of a few weeks ago with the Donald Trump thing and the Kenny Stills thing and Kenny saying he could never work for Rising and those sorts of things, Stephen Ross then firing the league's only black GM in Chris Greer. Do you, <laughs> yeah. do, do you know what I'm saying though? I mean, yeah, yeah. whether we think it's a, a thing or not, there are going to be people out there who are going to make it a thing because the moment Steve Ross fires Chris Greer, there are going to be people out there who say, well, he paid a load of money. He paid 250,000 pounds to hold a, a benefit dinner for Donald Trump. And you know, he's a, he's a Republican and Kenny still said this about him and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. There are really interesting issues at play here. Sure. Be, that just go beyond football decisions, which means that, and Marvin Allen's just sat there, the man that built the Kansas City Chiefs along with John Dorsey, the man that drafted Pat Mahomes and Tyreek Hill along with John Dorsey and, and, the, and Kareem Hunt and, and these guys. He's sat there now and, you know, he's in, he's in the box seat as far as I can see because he's a real talent. And for me, Chris Greer is the problem. And I just, if I'm Steve Ross, I know he so clings so desperately to these guys that he loves. He has this loyalty to but mm-hmm. you've got at some point you've got to say that there's been a problem for 20 years and you've been inside this problem for 20 years. I'm not saying you are the problem, but you've been part of it. At some point you've got to say, you know what? We've just got to cut and run. Because mm-hmm. this, this is the only chance. If they fuck this up, if they fuck <laughs> these picks up, if they fuck this money up, that's it. I mean, you, when do you, how do you come back from this? 10, 15, 20, 25 years time? How'd you come back from it? 15, if they 60, fuck, 70 years But it's true. If they fuck this up. Alabama handed over to Nick Saban. If they fuck this up, what, what's next for this franchise? Uh, it's uh, going to be another another complete and total rebuild, with, un, probably under a new owner. New owner, new coach, new GM, new everything. He's getting a three-year window. A three-year window to see progress. And if there is no progress, I, I would say all bets are off. I, I can tell you, so. I can tell you that Steve Ross, Steve Ross's expectations. I have this, I have this on on strong account. Okay, Steve Ross's expectations for 2020 are that he wants a 
competitive team. I mean, this is so all these people that are that are out there talking about how the Dolphins are going to tank Absolutely. in 2019 and then continue banking in 2020. Yes, and I can back so, that up. I was given a very clear and concise blueprint. I was mm-hmm. told 2019 is bad, 2020 is competent, and when I asked, you know, what does competent mean? I was told the same thing you've gotten for the last 20, 20 years, six and 10 to eight and eight. And if we're lucky, maybe nine and seven, mm-hmm. but 2021 playoffs are expected. If not, progress has not been shown. Mm-hmm. And, and that's because Steven Ross, and in my opinion, rightfully slow. So he thinks that resources spent all of these draft picks, all of this cap space over three years should net you a playoff appearance. It just should. Mm. Now, let yeah, me- I mean, it, that's what I that's what I that's what I think, though. And, and I want to caution people about that. Yeah, because if it looks at, come next offseason and I know everybody's saying you can't fire the GM one year after you. I mean, think of what, how terrible that would be, as Simon just said. Yeah. Um, not only are you firing the league's only African-American general manager, but you're, you're doing it for doing what you told him to do, which is tanking. <laughs> um, that's, that would be, that would be pretty awful. But if you're trying to, if it does end up happening that way and you're trying to imagine why, then I think, you know, setting the table for that, what I would say is that Steve Ross's expectations for 2020 are to be good or to be, you know, competent, or at least, you know, to, that the tank is off come 2019. He expects to, to com- be competitive again. And if we fast forward to that offseason, and we really just have no um, expectation for this team to be any good in, in that year, and it looks like he, you know, did too much, Chris Greer did too much, and this team is bombed into the, you know, into the dark ages – then yeah, maybe he could, maybe he could make a change there and say, this isn't what I asked you to do. Now on the way out here, let me ask both of you this question. Can we saddle Chris Greer with Minka Fitzpatrick first round bust already? Chris? No, I, well, I bust is such a strong word. Um, He is not what he, he is clearly not what, the Dolphins thought he would be. And I think that that's objectively true. Um, and because of the, just the simple fact that he's been complaining to the press about the coaching really since last year, but also simple, this year. Yeah. And also for the simple uh, fact that he's, he's going to have the bulk of his career elsewhere. Well, that's what I'm saying. And like, because, because he's complained to the press so much about the way he's been used and been clearly all not about team you know, about, about me, about the way I'm used. And because he went ahead and asked for a trade and he's not getting along with teammates is what I hear uh, specifically Xavier Howard. Um, I think that, uh, I think that's already, you can say that he's not, he's not what the dolphins envisioned. And what else is he's clearly good at slot corner. We, nobody complains about him as a slot corner. Um, but when he's used in the box, he, he bitches about it. And, um, and when he's used as an outside corner last year, he quite frankly was awful at it. Um, and so now what you're left with is, okay, is he, is he a free safety then? Does he really stand out there? And I, a week ago I had said, and in fact I did, <laughs> I said that, you know, he hasn't really stood out there, but you know what they did? They used him mostly there in this game. You know, the bulk of his snaps were at free safety in place of Rashad Jones, and he had his best game. 
he had like a really he had like a really strong game so it's ironic so maybe that is you know his future and maybe that's how things are all going to work out for him long term for some other team but because of the fact that he already demanded a trade and you lost him that way and he was bitching all the way the entire time then no he's not what you thought he was simon i agree with chris i don't think you call him a bust but ultimately he'll be looked back upon as somebody who didn't make the grade he was the 11th overall pick and somebody that we all really liked coming out and he just didn't do it and you you get measured you win and die by your draft picks and it's going to fall into the category of another bad first round miami draft pick whether we like it or not because he played well one year but ultimately that's what he'll be listed at do you trade him for Jalen Ramsey right now? Like Jalen Ramsey for the listener has just, uh, I mean, it's just been revealed via Adam Schefter, et cetera, that uh, Jalen Ramsey has asked for a trade out of Jacksonville Jaguars. And he, you know, I hear that he won't, he won't play for Doug Marone anymore, that he's done. Um, so they want supposedly, according to Schefter, a first round plus. That's exactly what Miami are asking for for Minka Fitzpatrick, supposedly. And that Armando Saguero says that Miami is in line to actually get from one of three teams, perhaps four. I've heard I've heard things have been sent over to four teams, actually. Um, so, you know, do you just, I mean, it seems like those those line up, right? If you get your first round plus for Minka Fitzpatrick, you could just ship them straight off to, to Jacksonville for Jalen Ramsey, right? Um would you do that? Yeah, I mean, if it's I if it's in front of you, I can't envisage uh, Minka for Jalen straight up trade. I, I can't see the Jaguars doing that. I could envisage a situation where um, Fitzpatrick is traded, and then we use that first round pick and some other change on Ramsey. The difficulty for us is that general managers are smart; they know that we have 197 picks over the next two seasons, and therefore are going to be wanting to try and get more than just a first round pick out of us. The other issue, obviously, is does Jalen Ramsey want to be part of what's happening here in Miami? Is he, is he, you know, players want to win now. Does he see the bigger picture? Is he prepared to wait for three years to see some return? Obviously, money talks, and we have an awful lot of it. But I would flip a first-round pick uh, and other bits, you know, later-round picks, um, or, or at least, you know, swapping picks uh, for Jalen Ramsey. 100%. He's one of the three or four. I don't think he's the best corner in the NFL but I don't think there's more than maybe two or three players better than him. Yeah, and, and I'm not as high on Jalen Ramsey as you are, but I think that this move would be – I think it's a win-win. First of all, he'll help you win football games because you put him on the opposite side of Xavier Howard and you're starting to build something. And Jalen Ramsey's a guy that I think is versatile enough where his game could mature very well. You could see him playing free safety in five years' time and playing it at a Pro Bowl level, very similar to Charles Woodson. I would but say. he wants to play. He wants to play more man, is supposedly one of the issues in Jacksonville. And this is, I mean, if Brian Flores' defense is anything, right? It's mm-hmm. an oriented so, defense. So I think it's a win-win situation because you make the trade, you get Minka out of here, and you do monetize that pick. So you can't say, although it's a bust, although that 11th pick used on Minka Fitzpatrick is essentially a bust because you're not going to get his career. All you got was two seasons of him. And not even two seasons. Ooh. You got a season and got a few a, games. Got a bit of breaking news here. Uh, Jason Lackenfora says the Minka Fitzpatrick trade will happen tomorrow. The Dolphins expected to get first round pick for him. Hearing Washington, Dallas, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and Seattle are the teams involved. Strong offers being made. That is two minutes ago. 
Wow. Okay. Yeah, just saw it. Well, then I guess that they could start using that to entice Jacksonville into sending us Jalen Ramsey. And then one of those – That's the first one, one of those the teams. Trade. One of those teams is, is the team that I said to you guys that I've yes. been told were heavily in the mix. Um, yep. Yeah, one of those teams is definitely um, the team. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. And, yeah, so and it's, like it's said, happening. Like, yeah, and the second part of that is it'll be a hell of a PR coup because everybody, all they keep seeing is, man, this team gets keeps getting worse and worse and it looks worse each week. You can sell Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey at corner a lot better than you can sell Minka Fitzpatrick as a developing player. So if they're going to get a first-round pick, that's good for Chris Greer, although you screwed it up in the first place because, you know, it's mm-hmm. fine that you got to monetize your mistake, but it was a mistake nonetheless. Okay. Mm. So if you could flip that for Jalen Ramsey, man, it'd be the first time that there's been a lot of, you know, a noticeable good news mm-hmm. on this team and on the rebuild going forward. Seattle don't have a first round pick next year, do they? I'm just trying to think of those teams that don't have. So Washington, they didn't give up. No, they didn't give up anything to get Haskins. Did they? Dallas have a first round next year. KC. Did KC, well, that was this year, wasn't it, when they gave up the first rounder for Frank Clark? Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh still got a first rounder. Philadelphia still got a first rounder. And boy, it'd be, a coup. it'd be a coup to get Pittsburgh's first rounder in a year where uh, well, Ben Roethlisberger gets well, <laughs> hurt for the whole and year. Wash- and Washington's given. Oh, Washington would be insane. I mean, that would be crazy. Yeah. I mean, then you're looking at, I mean, all bets are off at that point. Yeah, really. Uh, well, that would Dallas, be, that would truly be Dallas would really I would say Dallas would would love to have him because they wanted Rashad Jones but wanted to uh, look Dallas are playing Dallas are playing real uh, Dak Prescott I mean the first two weeks of the season he's been absolutely you know if you're looking for MVP candidates through the first mm-hmm. two weeks of the season Dak, Dak Prescott Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson I can't think of you know three I can't think of another player who'd fit in the mix uh, as well as those three have played for the first you know and we get to see them um in Dallas next weekend, as obviously the Dolphins go there to, to play the Cowboys. So, well, play, it'd be ironic if we it'd be ironic if we faced up against Fitzpatrick. Well, play. Can you imagine how many first round picks can we have? Can we have the Jets right. number the four first round picks? Remember when the Jets had four? Yeah, yeah. Was it Sean, Sean Ellis? John Ellis, Ellis, John Abraham Anthony, out of that one. And that's right, Anthony Beck, Anthony Beck, yeah. and Chad Pennington. Yeah, yeah, which means that the 2020 NFL draft in Las Vegas is just basically the Dolphins just going up to the podium <laughs> over and over. And, over we're, and gonna right. we're, yes. gonna be, we're, we're gonna be there. That's right. We're gonna be. And we're gonna be. We're all planning to go, right? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, yes, if we have absolutely. the first, if we have the first pick, then yeah, you know, yeah. You got to come for the two. At this rate, we're gonna have picks one through one Ooh. through 25. <laughs> Simon, should we this. reveal it? Yeah, absolutely. I've just said to you guys on whatsapp a number of times and in fact chris has said the same thing but can i just say that if we pass over to her let's say to take justin herbert i am out as a dolphins <laughs> fan i will follow the nfl and i will i will pray i don't i'm not religious but i will pray for the dolphins but i cannot follow a team that does that i, I can't i it, it will be too much years of getting up in the middle of the night staying up till 5 a.m <laughs> flying to see games, all that shit, listening to a, a crackly radio commentary at three o'clock in the morning. I'm out at that point. So, you know, you will fly get back from Vegas to England immediately. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
well, uh, well that's that's I, I you bring that up so i might as well i might as well say it because i have been told and one of the reasons that that conversation has been spurred uh on our whatsapp chat is because i have been told by a league scouting source um and this is a scouting source but this is a league one not a um not a dolphins one that the indications are that miami favor justin herbert more than Tua tonga vailoa and I don't know. Listen, we're eight months out, so <laughs> it's fine. And it's all fine and good when you don't actually have to put your pencils down yet. Um, so we don't know what's going to happen eight months from now. We also don't know if that encompasses the very highest of highest uh, decision makers. And I include Stephen Ross in that because if you don't think he's going to have something to say about the number one overall pick. Especially um, since now he's, he's uh, you know, a vaunted quarterback evaluator. Yeah, right. Um, so, but so I don't know that, but I, I, I just just passing on what I've heard, and yeah. um, and that's that that is what what spurred this this bit of pessimism between Simon and I, basically giving up our dolphins, <laughs> our dolphins I, I, I will, uh, fandom. I will, I will cry so badly. <laughs> it would be awful. Well, the thing is, though, note. you can't. I know Chris Greer was in was in South Carolina at the weekend watching. Alabama, right. South Carolina. I mean, I know they've studied Justin Herbert, but I, I cannot believe for one minute that they can look at those two players and think that yes. Herbert is better than Tagovailoa. It's so I hard just, to believe. I just cannot see, I cannot, cannot fathom it. You know, Justin's a nice player. He's got great size. He's got a massive arm. He's clearly got a high ceiling if you can hone that talent. But there are so many issues with him. You know, the big arm doesn't work because he can't, you know, his deep ball isn't particularly good. You know, mm. he's inconsistent. We know he's inconsistent. He can be yeah. inaccurate. But he's a great kid. He's very intelligent. He's football mad. You know, he's, he ticks all those boxes that you know that, you know, when coaches get him in a room, they'll be like, oh, God, I love this kid. We're drooling over this kid. His dad played at Oregon. and His granddad played at Oregon. And he's such a great kid. He's got a 4.2 GPA. And he wants to be a vet. And he wants to be a biology teacher. And, you know, he's such a, he's a scientist. And look at, look at those muscles. And look at how he can throw it 80 yards. Fuck that. Don't overthink it. Draft but a kid from Alabama. Let's be honest. the the reason The reason you would take him over to Antonio Vila. I'm not saying you should. I'm saying the reason Miami or or some other team uh, would take him is purely because he's bigger and has a bigger arm. I mean, that's yeah. it. He's got a howitzer and he's um and he's a a big, strapping uh, guy as opposed to Tua, who is between six and six one. You know, yeah. and um and his arm. Let's be honest. His arm is basically on par with jake Fromm's, um yeah. as far as velocity goes uh we've under- which is we which have- is good enough good enough for we the have- nfl we have concluded that we've underrated jake Fromm's arm a little bit that's right I, yeah. I've, I've been i've been i've been adamant about that people keep saying it's like a weak arm i'm like no i've i've looked at that and it's not i've seen weak arms i know what they, they look like um no that's not it's not weak it's just at the lower end for nfl starters well, yeah. that is it. There is no more. The next time we talk to you, you know, Minko will be out of here. We'll have 4,000 first-round picks. And all will be well in the world. Hopefully we trade one of those for Jalen Ramsey. But till then. Thanks for listening to 3 Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.